Welcome to the Iconic Womanhood Podcast, where we celebrate and learn from the wisdom of authentic, brilliant, conscious, and creative women from all around the world. This podcast will leave you inspired, empowered, and equipped to become truly iconic. And now, here is your host, Akena. She is a transformational coach and speaker. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Iconic Womanhood Podcast. So today, it's kind of an impromptu, off-schedule, in-the-moment, hot-topic session. (laughs) You know, I was watching the Oscars last night. Interestingly enough, I haven't watched award shows in a while, uh, and my daughter came in and said, hey, I'm watching the Oscars, mom, you want to watch a little bit? And I was like, sure. And um, she put it on, and we were watching it, and um, we caught the moment that everyone is talking about, right? So we caught this sort of situation. (laughs) And I thought it was fake. In fact, my daughter and I had a whole conversation about, no, 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 that was scripted. Um, And if you don't know what I'm talking about, let me fill you in. So yesterday, uh, Will Smith was nominated for King Richard. And so he was at the Oscars, right? And Chris Rock was brought on to, um, I think he was announcing a nomination. And, you know, as Chris Rock would do, he did a little off-the-cuff comedy moment. Um, And like a lot of comedians, poked fun at um, some people. One of the people he chose to poke fun at was Jada Pinkett Smith, who was in the audience. And if you aren't aware of this, she has been rocking a gorgeous bald head. Uh, for a while, but it's not by choice. It's because she's been struggling with um, alopecia. And he poked some fun at that, right? He poked fun. He said something about G.I. Jane, I think referencing Demi Moore. It was a bad joke. It wasn't a great joke. Um, I'm not actually a huge fan of Chris Rock as a comedian. So yeah, it was unfunny, (laughs) right? But um, And you could see when they panned over to Will Smith and um, Jada Pinkett, their reaction. They both had a kind of a little like initial laugh, right? Jada had a little, "Uh uh-huh. And then you could see her face that she was irritated. Um, Will Smith had a laugh as well. uh, And then he saw his wife's face. Now, the laugh to me is it doesn't matter because they're all actors. They're all performing. When you go... Even if you're not an actor, when you are out in public and you have a persona, you often are in performance mode, right? And you know someone cracks a joke, it's supposed to be funny. You're already kind of in autopilot. So he may have already started the laugh. And yeah, maybe it wasn't so funny. Someone pokes fun at you and you're in a public place. Even if you don't find it funny, sometimes it's just easier to laugh it off. But this time it wasn't at him. It was at his wife. And... um he then got up and walked up to the stage quite deliberately, right? So he didn't run on stage. He walked deliberately up to the stage, which is why I thought it was staged. And then slaps um, Chris Rock. And then for us over here in the U.S., we couldn't hear what happened after that. We could see it, but they cut the audio. Um, but later we, you know, we were able to hear that um, there was like it was real. 
right? Chris Rock says, oh, you know, Will Smith just hit me. Wow, right? And Will is like, you know, keep my wife's name out of your mouth in more colorful language. So this is then this whole thing, right, that everyone is talking about. Now, later on, uh, Will Smith actually won, right, and goes to have his acceptance speech. Now, during his acceptance speech, he so in, interestingly enough, he won for his portrayal of King Richard um, in King Richard, which is um, about um, the Williams uh, sisters, their their dad, and um, who was a fierce, you know, and he says he was a fierce defender of his family, which, you know, from all accounts was true, right? And was a both a brilliant and flawed man, is both a, because he's still alive, is both a brilliant and flawed man, like most of us are, right? So um, he kind of talks about it. And it's interesting when he is doing, doing the acceptance speech, they pan to the William sisters and they kind of look shell-shocked. Like for, if you watch it and just looking at their faces, they're just kind of like, oh my God. Like, you know, and it was a weird, like if you watch that whole experience, Lupita's face was like, what's happening? You know, like everyone's kind of like confused. And um, this is so weird. This is so, it was, it was out of, you know, out of character for Will Smith. It was out of character for the Oscars. It was a strange moment. And for me watching, it was also really sad. I kind of want to share a few things about this. So, of course, there's a lot of think pieces, why he did it, should he have done it, yada, 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 right? We're all talking about it. We're all talking about it. I would like to share um, some things that you can use listening, right, as a leader, some things, some tools that you can use, Um and uh, I'm going to be pulling from emotional intelligence. If you don't know, if you're listening for the first time and you're just hearing this, uh, you you know, it already told you my name at the intro. Uh, I'm certified in social and emotional intelligence. So this is sort of my area. And um, it's one of my sweet spots because leaders have to prepare. Leaders have to prepare. Leaders have to prepare. I'm going to keep saying this. Why? Because it's interesting because when you re when you watch this and then you think back here in the U.S., we have also been watching the confirmation hearings for Judge Katanji uh, Brown-Jackson. And I want to make sure I said her name right because it, she deserves every, you know, saying it perfectly right, right? We're, we've been watching her confirmation hearings and this is an incredible woman by any standards, any standards, highly accomplished, highly educated, just an incredible woman. And what we have been um, witnessing is some nonsense. I'm sorry, I have to just put it that way. You know, she has been questioned. She has been, uh, you know, it's just ridiculous what she has been going through in these hearings, but she has handled it with complete grace, complete grace, right? And times when you can tell, like, she has had, you know, those kinds of conversations when people are asking her ridiculous questions, saying things to her, when she must be in her mind, like, this person needs a hot slap to reset their brains, but she is holding herself together, complete decorum. You can see in her face, 
the emotional exhaustion, right? Because it takes something out of you to maintain in the face of such attacks. So when you kind of look at the two things, you know, those are two leaders in different uh, arenas of influence, but two leaders. And they're both dealing with some things, right? So I want to talk about this today, and I hope that this will help you. So like I said, this is off the cuff, but I'm going to teach from this space. Are you, <laughs> are you with me? <laughs> so listen, you know, I have a lot of empathy for anybody, right? Um, I don't expect people to be perfect and I don't expect leaders to be perfect. Leaders are human, but the stakes are higher for leaders. The stakes are higher for Will Smith. The stakes are higher for Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson, which is why you can see how much, how hard they've worked. Will Smith has worked very hard to present himself a particular way. For years, he chose a path. He chose a brand and he has branded himself a particular way. He, when he was a, a rapper, he branded himself a particular way. Clean cut, you know, we have watched the Will Smith uh, story in, in, in a sense with um, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So, you know, kind of the background he came from, you know, like he can, he's from Philadelphia, like, and not like Philly, like West Philly born and raised, right? You know that you know, he, he, he's shared, like he has been in that street life in a sense. Right. And so he can get, uh, for lack of a better term and forgive me, but he can get crunk. Right. <laughs> Is that the right way to say it? Right. Um, and I can relate to that. We can all relate to that. And he shows a particular side of himself and, and he and his family and his wife, and they continuously work to position themselves as more evolved. Right that's who they have, that's who they desire to be. That's who they present themselves at, as who they desire to be, it seems, right? And we are all in that space. Like I desire to be my higher self every day. Do I, you know, succeed every day? No, I do not. You should uh, catch me in traffic sometimes, right? Um, we all have our stuff. So this is not about Will Smith and, oh my gosh, I'm disappointed. I'm never, I've seen people saying, I'm not going to watch uh, King Richard. I'm like, why? Like, you know, I'm kind of, people want to cancel. I mean, this whole cancel culture, we need to pause, but that's a separate conversation. My goal today is to really talk about how we can learn and how you can pr protect yourself as a leader emotionally. One of the things that we don't talk about is that when you rise, particularly as a person of color, as a woman, <laughs> you are going to be tested. It's stressful. We don't talk about the stress. In fact, a lot of people opt out. A lot of women, when I talk to the women, um, you know, in, in my work, whether I'm speaking somewhere and people come up to me afterwards, or they send me emails, or I'm coaching a client, there are many times when I, you know, you recognize that this client has everything it takes to be at the top, but they are unconsciously choosing to opt out of greatness because they recognize the social cost will be too high. There is a social cost. 
Will Smith has had quite a couple of years, I believe, right? So his marriage has been on display like never before. Um, they have been answering questions, you know, discussing things. I remember that very painful, uh, it was painful to watch thing he did with his wife on her red table where he just looked like done. And um, there's been a fair bit of, you know, some, some ego bruising, I would say. I couldn't imagine walking in those shoes. He has uh, released a book. I've not read the book. But I know that any book that you're doing a bit of self-reflection is a vulnerable place. Uh, when I even speak and I share personal stories, sometimes when I come back and, you know, people don't often tell you this, but I can speak and share a powerful story that is transformative for someone else, but it's a story from my life and something I've been through. And when I come back, I feel uncomfortable for a while. I feel out of sorts. I feel I don't feel good about it because you feel exposed. I understand what has happened. Vulnerability has a cost. And so I can take care of myself in the process, but it doesn't feel good. It is hard to be vulnerable. It's hard to put your life on display uh, for people to judge and pull apart. And people have judged and pulled him apart. There are whole think pieces about how he's not really, quote unquote, masculine. Uh, people call him all sorts of things. I know who wears the pants in that relationship. So he has, his masculinity has been questioned. The quality of his marriage has been questioned. You know, so all of these things they impact you no matter how you feel, they impact you, right? No matter how evolved you try to be, you're human. And so I can't imagine what it must have been like. And we don't know the other dynamics. I do know that for him to come out of himself like that, and I say out of himself because it was out of character. We have known Will Smith for years. He's not new on the scene. He's been in this world for years, for decades, since he was a young man. When, he was, when you are more prone to this sort of impulsive behavior, he's been on the scene for a while. So he's managed through all of that. For him to now show up this way, there may be more that we don't know, right? We don't understand. Um, but for him to come out of himself that way, I think we can really learn. A couple of things, I think. One, there's probably some things happening behind the scenes that we're not privy to and we don't need to be privy to it. It's none of our business. He's human and he may be having some human stuff that he's dealing with that is causing him to be less able to uh, be as self-possessed. Two, like I just mentioned, a lot of the other stuff, the external factors pressing in on him, right, that are happening. And then, you know, Chris Rock then comes and, you know, puts the straw that breaks the camel's back. So on the one hand, let's talk about Chris Rock for a minute. We have got to be careful. We have got to be careful because we don't know where people are. And, um, you know, when they're at the end of the rope, you don't know, right? So you say one thing and then you get a slap that uh, <laughs> is not really about you. It's about like years of pent up frustration years of feeling humiliated and you just get the slap. So we have to be careful. We, you know, I'm sure Chris Rock may think twice about what he says going forward, right? Because you have to be careful when you come for people, then, you know, you've got to be careful because if you come for people, then whatever they bring to you, you open that door. You have to be careful. 
now, and I'm and I'll share this. Let me share this personally, right? Transparency, because when we're talking about other people, it's easy to talk about other people, but not to talk about ourselves. I think I've shared this story before. This was one of the experiences in my life that I really um, sat with <laughs> and learned about, uh, and it was an emotional experience for me. I had uh, participated. Um, there was an organization that I had done some work for right and and become friendly with the leaders of this organization the board and you know it was um a diaspora organization i'll put it that way and i was um invited to participate again at this organization now let me tell you some things and i want to talk about the pillars of emotional intelligence let's talk about this from i'm going to talk about it from both angles right um so you can take some things away so from the Chris Rock angle, right? And from the Will Smith angle right here. So the first thing, right? I'm going to tell my piece of the story. I was a little bit like Chris Rock and I was a little bit like uh, Will Smith in this particular scenario. And here's the learning. So the first pillar of emotional intelligence is self-awareness. I had done work for this organization before uh, like I said, I, I valued this organization. I really supported their mission. I still do. I think that they're doing great work. And so when they invited me again to participate, it was ex extremely inconvenient. Inconvenient is putting it nicely. It was a really difficult time in my life. Um, I was still working, but I had very little bandwidth. And so I said to them, you know what? Hey, you know, they had, they were having their annual thing convention. I said, okay, I'll come in um, on the day and I'll leave the very next day. I wasn't going to spend time um, because I had so little bandwidth. And in fact, I was flying from another speaking engagement. So I didn't even get home to reset, right? So I flew from one engagement to the other and um, I got to this convention, spoke, did a great job. Uh, if I may say so myself, but I didn't just have to say so. I was told multiple times. So that was fine. The job that they brought me in to do, I did it well and there was no problem. But afterwards, I was talking to a member of the board who I'm not very, very close to, um, but we were just kind of casually talking. They had a little room for speakers and, and board members and, you know, just their insiders. And, um, and so she asked me a casual question. And she said, you know, how's the, how's the convention been for you so far? Now, to be very clear, very honest, typically, and because I put on events, not, not to the scale that this organization does, but I put on events, I have more um, empathy, right, when I go to events, but also uh, typically I'm more managed in my, in my speech, right? So she said, she asked me, how was it? And I responded. Now, what I should have done, and when I go back to it, was recognize that she was perhaps making conversation and not inviting, not asking for feedback. So I could have done a double check, which is what I will do now, right? I'll ask permission to say, well, you know, do you really want some feedback? Or, you know, it's been great, but are you asking for feedback or, you know, whatnot? Now, she was asking, she was just making conversation. She was not asking for feedback, um, even though it sounded like she was asking for feedback. One, right, 
but uh, even if she was asking for feedback, what I could have also done, and this is where this emo high emotional intelligence comes in, because part of social uh, emotional and social intelligence is managing the other people. So even if she does in relationship management uh, and social awareness, even if she doesn't know whether she should be asking for feedback or not, even if she said, yeah, yeah, absolutely, I'm asking for feedback, the convention was still going on, one. Um, there was a lot of moving pieces. It may not have been the right time to give any sort of feedback other than you guys are working really hard. You know, I see that and honoring and aff uh, maybe affirmations. So if you're going to give any feedback at that time, really the only room that uh, the person really has is for positive feedback. Uh, so, and if you're going to give negative feedback, you have to be really intentional about it. I was not as intentional that day. And so here's my self-awareness. I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention to what was going around, around me as much as I should have. I was somewhat paying attention, but not enough because I had so much going on in my inner world, right? So, and I was at capacity. I was dealing with a lot of stuff. I wasn't my highest self, right? I brought my highest self to the stage, but after the stage, I really should not have been in that room. So even when I thought about it later, and I'm going to tell you everything went, that went down, when I thought about it later, I said to myself, I should not have been in that room. After my presentation, I know I get drained, right? And there were thousands of people in the room. And so you're pouring out, right? I should have gone to my room and rested. That's what I should have done. They invited me to come to this room and, you know, I liked these people. I enjoyed, you know, the organization, you know, you want to kind of be social. I felt like I needed to be social. I should have honored my own needs before honoring anyone else's. And I didn't do that. And so this is also now the byproduct of that. I wasn't as, I didn't pick up on the cues. I didn't pick up on, she's not really asking me for feedback. So when she asked me, how has it been so far? I shared with her, I was like, oh, it's been really good. You know, you guys have clearly elevated, great job. You know, I see some opportunities um, that, you know, I'm sure you guys will elaborate, you know, do better on next time, right? And I should have, in fact, when I go back and I replay it, her face, there was something, you know, I saw her expression, right? You see that slight expression change. And she said, oh, tell me more, right? But that expression change should have alerted me to say no, because her body was giving me a message. I needed to pay attention to that. This is, and this is quite a few years ago. Um, I've learned a lot since then. <laughs> I should have been paying attention, but I didn't. I, again, just listened to her words and not her body tell me more. So I did tell her a little bit more and I'm thinking it's a cool, relaxed conversation. Right. And I wasn't angry. I was actually saying each time again, you learn, you know, how you package the good with the bad, like, Oh yeah, no, it was really great there. Da, 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 da. Yeah. So here's the opportunity I see that. Da, 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 da. And then she starts to get super defensive and it's clear and she gets angry. So now I'm sitting with her in the conversation. Her voice is rising a little bit. Like we literally are having a conversation that's calm, right? And, and I'm smiling. I'm thinking we're good. And 
she starts to get extremely angry. Now, I don't know her behind the scenes story. I don't know what's going on. This is that Chris Rock moment. Maybe he didn't know um, Jada had alopecia. Maybe he didn't remember. Maybe he wasn't paying attention. Maybe, you know, he just was just doing his thing. Like, so that was me right there. Right. And she said, he says this off color, this bad joke. I said something that wasn't meant to be a joke, but you know, it wasn't the right time. And she starts going off. Like she starts getting angry. She didn't lose it completely in the moment, but she started to get really angry, angry enough that I say, wait a minute. I, you know, and I start to now immediately try to under, like handle it. And I said, Hey, you know, I think this hasn't landed well. This was not my intention. I apologize. You know, I, I clearly did offended you. That was not my intention. Perhaps this is not a good time to talk. You know, hey, listen, I get it. Let's just step back from this conversation. You know, in fact, let me just go ahead and leave the room, right? So I I, I apologize for offending her. I um. I I start to immediately try to extricate myself from the situation, right? So I pull my, I get up and I say, you know what? And there's other people there, right? That are seeing this. Now, I suspect that this woman is a very, is hotheaded and and perhaps she's done this sort of thing before because of the reaction of the people around her. Nobody really looks shocked, right? Um, And a lot of times we have people that we allow to be that way because, and, and when we enable them and I'm, and I, I have people like that, that we've just created this thing and we've enabled it, whether we know it or not, and it's not helpful, but there's a point at which the person gets so hot-headed, you don't know how to handle it anymore. I suspect that's what, you know, happened with maybe this person's closest people, because even the way they were looking, they were beginning to look down at the floor. You could tell that they, they felt a little embarrassed. They didn't feel the way she did, right? But they didn't do anything. And so I get up and um, the one lady is like, let's get going, you know? And I say, yeah. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, like, everyone knows this situation isn't great. And I'm getting my stuff and I'm walking out. And I, you know, I'm, I'm ending the conversation. This woman, who is a grown woman, a mother, follows me. <laughs> she follows me and I'm le- I've left the room now. We're in a hotel space. I leave the room, the meeting room, and I start going to the elevator. She follows me and I'm like, please stop following me. I understand how you feel, but there's no need to continue this conversation. But she is too far gone. She can no longer control herself. She's gone. She is not in her body anymore. Anger has taken over. Whatever it is that's going on, who knows what else was happening. I've only had a handful of interactions with this particular woman. So we don't have anything personal as far as I know. But she is going deep. She's like, you know what? Da, 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 da. She's saying all sorts of things, things I'm not even going to bother to repeat because she doesn't even know me, but she was just boom, boom, boom. And I'm like in complete like shock, right? And I'm irritated as well. I'm angry. I'm hurt. I'm, I'm just exhausted already. I'm feeling extremely attacked. And I'm also frustrated that this organization, none of them is getting this woman in order right? Which is why I don't do business with that organization at all, ever again. I do not. They, they've called to apologize multiple times when that happened. And I have no ill will to them, but that is not a safe space. If you cannot 
handle one of your people, then I can't be part of that. This is just straight talk. It was such an, um, a difficult experience for me to be in that. Now, honestly, and this, this young woman, there isn't like, I could have addressed it in so many different ways. I could have the way she was coming for me and, you know, people mistake people like myself. Sometimes you might make the mistake of assuming that I cannot give it as hard as you can give it. Right. Um, but I'm, I manage my temper because I have a temper. Uh, I definitely, anyone who's ever known me on, on see me lose it knows that, yes, I can lose it. I can go there with you toe to toe. I don't like that. When I, when I lose that, I hate it. It drains me and it can damage what I'm working to build. If I had allowed myself to lose my temper, what the enemy was trying to do through this young woman, I would have damaged everything that I've worked so hard for. Can you just imagine if I had given her a slap, which is she needed one. I'm just tell, telling you straight up based on all the nonsense. She followed me. All right. She followed me to the elevator, followed me, kept talking and we're pressing the elevator and I'm waiting for someone to bring something from somewhere. And there are people around, you know, no one is saying anything to her. And a few people are beginning to tell her calm down. Right. Actually, let me, that's not true. They were telling her to calm down and try to get her to calm down. But they're even trying to, I think somebody was even trying to like get her to pull away, but no one could control her. That's the better term. They couldn't control her. And she was going crazy. And um, I start to cry. That's how angry I was. I was livid. You know, when you have so much pent up emotion that if you, it has to come out one way or the other. And if I, I could have shout, if I started shouting and going crazy with her, or I just started crying. I don't regret it one bit. Some people would listen to this and say, oh, you know, that was weak. No, to me, if I had addressed her the way she needed to be addressed, right, in that sense, like, you know, fire for fire, I would have damaged my own brand. So to me, that was power. That was me exercising my personal power to protect what I am working to build. This woman is irrelevant in my world. I didn't speak to her before, and I'm not going to speak to her again in that sense, right? She doesn't matter to me, but my brand matters to me. My work matters to me. So imagine if you're listening to this, right? And then you see a video of me getting into a fist fight with somebody. Can you just imagine that? I'm not going to do that. So I'm standing there and I'm telling her, please leave. Please walk away. Please go away. And tears are rolling down my face because I'm so incensed. I'm so hurt. I'm so angry. And I'm so sad that such a thing can be happening at this level. I was just like, what is going on? And all kinds of things are happening and I'm trying to manage myself. I cannot manage her. I have to manage myself. So literally those tears are my emotions coming out. And so I understand sort of where Will Smith might have been, right? Like you've had a hell of a year, a hell of a two years. So many things have been going on. Who knows what was going on behind the scenes? Now you see your wife. She's looking like sad and, you know, someone is coming for her just randomly. Someone who's come for her before, by the way. Right. And you're like, you know what? That's it. Right. I get it. Cause that, those emotions come out, but here's the thing. He's worked so hard. Right. 
And so here's the learning for us and the learning for me in that moment. Because when I went back, I reflected on everything. I could say that woman is crazy. I could say she's just this, she's this, that. The reality is she's human. She made some choices, right? The reason why I won't engage going further is because I don't know her and I don't know whether that's how she wants to live her life or if she has grown from that experience. And I can't put myself in harm's way again because I was in harm's way because she was that volatile that she could have, if she had hit me, what then, right? You know, I, I might've been forced to hit back. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to be put in that kind of situation. So I just don't even deal. Like I will never. And I mean, the, I remember the um, organization, they called me to discuss with me. Um, and they, there were a number of calls to apologize, a number of written things. Right. Um, and they wanted me to do something again. And I said, no, I'm sorry. I can't engage with your organization anymore, period. Right. Um, because it was a verbal assault. And, um, one of the ladies said, oh, I feel like you're penalizing the whole organization for the action of one person. I was like, well, that's kind of what happens in life, right? Um, and I'm not penalizing you. I'm protecting myself because number one, this person is still on your board. Number two, I just don't want to deal with it. I don't know. Like, it's too volatile. I have a right to protect myself. So I will not be emotionally manipulated into putting myself in harm's way again. I have a right and a responsibility to protect myself. And so I will never be in that space again, period. Now, I also had to go back and unpack and do my work, which is where that self-awareness comes in, right? Okay, in the moment, what happened? What could I have done differently? What, what, what did I bring to the table? Which is what I was sharing with you initially, right? That I recognized that I was at low capacity, right? That I wasn't paying attention to the social cues. Those are some things that one can take a look at. So if you have been in that scenario or if you are in the scenario, it's so important to pause and say to yourself and ask yourself what's really going on. That The art of the pause. Take a moment and look at yourself. What's happening? Why do I feel the way I feel? It's easy to say she triggered me. You know, that she gave me bad feedback. She said, she knows, she said whatever she said, and she made me angry. No, no, no. I didn't make you angry. You were angry, and you have a responsibility to ask yourself, why did you get so angry? So, even let me put her myself in the other person's shoes, right? Right. I already debriefed you on me. I could have been more mindful. I could have taken the time to look and say, okay, when did I, should I have said what I said when I said it? Was I paying attention to her cues? Now, let's put yourself in the other person's shoes, right? Okay, someone says something you don't like, then you have an opportunity to pause. Why does this come up for me this way? Why am I, why do I feel angry? What's going on? And, and you can even address it. You can ask questions. You can say, hey, what you said makes me feel as if, you know, that you're, you're coming from our organization. Uh, it makes you, me feel as if you're disparaging us. Is that what you intended to do? You know, you can, you can have, there's so many ways to approach it, but you won't be able to if your emotions just hijack you. Because what happens is something happens, we feel a kind of way about it, and then we think a particular thing about the feeling. So I feel bad, and then you think this person is making me feel bad, and then I'm going to attack this person, right? And you just go. But if you pause, I feel bad. Why do I feel bad? 
what's going on? What is this person's intent maybe? If I'm not clear on it, maybe I can ask questions. You can learn how to pause versus just reacting. And I've talked about the difference between being reactive and being responsive. No one is suggesting that you should just take crap from everybody, but you get to respond. You can say, okay, I'm not going to be someone who reacts. I'm going to be someone who responds. I'm going to choose my responses. And when you choose your responses, you're choosing your responses based on one, who you are, who you want to be, what's really at stake here, right? So that's the first thing is that self-awareness. And then that feeds into self-management. Okay, that's the responding. Okay, what's really at stake here? Who do I want to be? How do I want to show up? What really matters? And then you respond in, in kind. You respond based on that in alignment with what you desire, not react just based on, okay, something, someone did this. You, I mean, you're not in the wild, right? So you can't just be, just react. You have to, if you are rising in as a leader, and this is important, and this is why we talk about it. This is why emotional intelligence is one of the hallmarks of great leadership. Because if you are, if you refuse to be emotionally intelligent, if you refuse to acknowledge that this is necessary, then, you know, just go ahead and go around slapping people and, and live that life and, and see how far that gets you. And this is just real talk. You have to be able to control yourself. You have to be able to uh, manage yourself, manage your emotions. Okay. You know what? This makes me feel terrible. I'm angry, but what, what is my next step going to be? What is my next step going to be? Okay. I'm going to behave a certain way because I believe this is what's at stake. I'm not going to let this behavior make me uh, show up differently. No, no. I'm going to do this, this, this. And, you know, it's not to say you don't get emotional. I was emotional in that. I wanted to fight back. I wanted to tell her off. I wanted to put her in her place. I wanted to, right? I wanted to display anger. But I decided to let my emotions come out through tears. Now, if I wasn't even at such low capacity, I may not have responded. I may not have had an emotional, a visible emotional response. Like if you, it was, if that was happening today, I don't think it would have elicited any emotional response. I would have just been able to observe her and been, you know, not given her any energy, but I wasn't in a good place that day. Right. Uh, but even then I'm grateful that I still did not just give it to her fire for fire, because when you give fire for fire, you both burn, you both burn. And I, I didn't want to burn. I worked too hard. She can burn down whatever she wants to burn down. The truth is they had a, she was part of a board. The organization could have survived her behavior, but I, I am the face of my business. So if she burns down herself, the organization can maybe contain her burn, but I, if I burnt down my brand that is built on me, then what? So you have to really think about what's at stake, self-management. The second thing, the third thing, the, so these are the two first two pillars, self-awareness, what's going on with me, self-management, what's at stake, so how am I going to choose to respond, social awareness, 
right? Social awareness. Where am I? What, you know, what is required? What works in this sort of audience? What works, uh, you know? So for example, the truth of the matter is if, if Will Smith was a rapper and this was like a hip hop awards where this sort of behavior isn't as um, alien, it may not have made news. It may not have been a big deal, you know, because um, it's not huge. There are cultures that certain things are normal and cultures where certain things are not. This is why um, you have to become a socially aware person. It's part of being culturally intelligent. Like you have to pay attention, like, okay, in this sort of setting, this won't work. In this sort of place, this won't work. In this sort of, um, you know, experience, this won't work. So I need to be socially aware. How am I coming across to the audience? How am I coming across to the people around me? How am I coming across? How do I want to come across? What is required in this space? Whether you are the Chris Rock in the story or the Will Smith in the story, what is required in this space? So even for me in the story that I shared with you earlier, I feel, I wish I could have, re, if I could have done it differently, like I said, I wouldn't even be in the space, first of all. I would have gone to my room and rested. Uh, but what was required, and I think that was why for me, I chose this path that I chose um, to release the emotion through tears, right? Um, because I wasn't going to go into fisticuffs, right? <laughs> Or start yelling with a person. The other thing is this woman was younger than me, right? Um, so, and, and this was a diaspora experience. So, you know, culturally too, it's like someone who should call me auntie, which has also made it even more offensive. Um, but yeah, socially, social awareness, like this is just not the right place for this. So even if you're not hitting someone, for example, having words with someone, it's not the right place for this. It's not the right setting for this. There's no need for me to have this conversation here. This is, you know, I'm going to choose a different setting for this. Okay, this is getting heated. Let's move it to, let's put a pin in this and discuss it in a private setting. So having that social awareness, having that social awareness. And then relationship management is the fourth pillar. What kind of relationship do you want going forward? So when I left that experience, right, I had conversations with the people there. They called and, and so on. Even the young lady that acted out that night, she acted terribly, right? It was awful. The next morning, she did call to apologize. She called, she apologized, she offered to... Um, you know, come take me to the airport. And I said, no, thank you. I, I received her apology, uh, but I did not know, I no longer wanted to engage with her. And, that, and this is an, also an important thing about relationship management, by the way. I can forgive and you should forgive. I have forgiven because what I'm doing is narrating what happened, right? So I've forgiven, but I don't have to, put myself in that situation again. Forgiveness does not mean that you keep putting yourself in harm's way. I can forgive her. Absolutely. I can forgive myself. Absolutely. 
But I, for myself, I know that I can do the work to unpack and say, okay, here's how I'm going to make sure this never happens again. But I don't know if she's done her work. I don't know. And so I'm not going to put myself in harm's way. Now, if it's somebody that I'm in relationship with, if they behave a certain way that, you know, let's say it's Chris Rock and um, Will Smith, let's say they know each other, let's say that they know each other outside of this um, big Hollywood circle, and maybe Will Smith calls and says, hey, you know, I don't appreciate what you did, but I was wrong to hit you, and I apologize for that, right? And and I, I really want to point this out, sidebar, before we go into relationship management. Chris Rock was 100% in the wrong with that joke. That joke was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. It's particularly ridiculous because Chris Rock produced a documentary called Good Hair. And so you would think that if he was present in his body and in his mind and in his soul, as a black man who profited off, because he produced a documentary, was not for free, off talking about the relationship black women have with their hair, he would understand that for black women, we are judged so much on our hair. There's, I mean, we have, the, uh, what, a billion dollar industry on black hair. Why? Because we deal, we have so much stuff with it. So much stuff with it. We have shame, whether we want it or not. We're dealing with so much image, body image stuff that has to do with our hair. I remember years ago, you know, I was out somewhere and someone was remarking on my hair and a young a woman who, you know, she knew me, right? Um, and she hadn't seen me in a while. And she knew me back when we were younger. And she, she is biracial, had long hair, you know, and she said something so flippant and she said, oh, that's probably not her hair. The way she said it was so, and I remember it, it was like a dagger and she just said it like, oh no, no. And so many, I, I you know, I remember telling this story at, in, a, in a, a circle, one of those truth circles. And the women there, so many black women there, especially women like myself, right? With 4C hair or whatever kind of C hair, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but whatever kind of hair, you know, this tight curl pattern that may not look as long or grow, whatever it is, right? They could really relate because we have such a stuff with our hair. We've, you know, we have good hair, bad hair. People have this conversation about hair. We, When you, a black woman has short hair, some people call her manly and all kinds of stuff, right? So he should know better. He should know better. So that's a bad joke. He was in the wrong. It was it was insensitive. It, it was unnecessary. It was uncalled for. But because Will Smith hit him, it now has now trumped the now his business. The, hitting him was more uncalled for than the joke. So when someone comes at you, and I hear this, like I posted something on my social media about it. And a couple of people were like, oh, you know, the couple of people came on and were like, one person was, you know, she's like, oh, anyone now is is putting out content. Her, her grammar was incorrect, incorrect. So I'm not going to repeat it the way she said it. But, you know, just any people, anyone is just out here talking about stuff. And it was rude the way she put it. 
she's like, please, if someone offends you, just react. And another, another man came on and said something similar. I'm like, listen, I get it. I get how you feel, but you know, that's really up to you. You want to live your life like that? Go ahead. Let's see how far you get. You cannot go around emotionally out of control just because someone offends you. Therefore you're just going to behave, you know, without any decorum. And if that's the kind of society we want to devolve to, recognize what that looks like, okay? Recognize what that looks like. Because if you can give a slap, then you can go to the next level. You can use a weapon. There are reasons why we have rules in our societies. And if you start to break down those rules, that you know everything falls into chaos. So <laughs> I get how people feel. It was a bad joke, but it is important that we manage ourselves. Now, I wanted to talk about the last piece, which was relationship management. So let's say something goes completely awry and how do you then handle it, right? You unpack it. You're like, Kai, this, this shouldn't have happened this way. I, I screwed up. You manage the relationship. You go back. So that young woman, kudos to her. She called me to apologize, right? I was wrong in the way I handled it. She apologized, right? That saying all that to me, I apologize. I, I didn't mean to hurt you and all of that. That's the first step. Apologize. And a real apology, right? I've had someone um, reach out to me after doing something foul. And she said, you know, no matter what you did, I shouldn't have done what I did. I was like, that's not, an I didn't even bother saying anything to her. I said, thank you for reaching out, have God bless you, have a nice day. And I'm not going any deeper with that because that's not an apology. That's not an apology where you are trying to justify your behavior, right? That's not an apology. If you want to apologize, apologize. So a real apology is owning what you did, owning what you did and apologizing for it. You are not turning the lens on the other person. That's not a real apology. Just focus on what you brought to the table, okay? Even if they did something wrong, a real apology starts with, this is what I did, and I apologize for it. I see how I made you feel. That was not my intent, and I apologize. My words caused harm, and I apologize. And if you are giving an apology and you're waiting, like I'm giving this an apology, I'm giving this apology and it's a conditional apology. What I mean by that is you're trying to get an apology back. You still aren't in the spirit of an apology either too, right? So just give the apology. Own your own part in it. Own your own part in it. And the other person also can have the opportunity to do that. But you, when you go into a conversation like that, you are managing the relationship from your perspective. Now, here's the thing. When you give an apology, the other person can receive it or not they can choose to be in, in a relationship with you or not. That's on them. You can't control that. And you have to be okay with that. But you can manage how you showed up in the relationship. You can manage even how a relationship ends as far as you can control it. But that's a critical part of emotional intelligence. You manage the relationship in the moment. You manage it post a traumatic moment. You know, you manage it. So there are four pillars to emotional intelligence, self-awareness, 
which can happen again. Every, every, all of this, everything I've talked about, you have to think about it during and even after, right? And even before. So you know it's a high stakes experience, the Oscars. It's a high stakes experience. You're going to speak, right? I like, and I talked about that, right? I was going to go speak, large convention. So self-awareness, how do I feel? What do I need? What do I need to be my best self here? Okay, I need this, this, this. If you know, I'm hey, you know what? <laughs> I'm at the end of my rope. That's maybe where you have someone say, you're telling your friend, hey, listen, let's go to this thing. But I'm telling you right now, I have one nerve left. And if one person talks to me sideways, I need you to hold me back because it might go down. Real, this is real talk. That's a self-aware person that can say that to a friend, say, hey, listen, okay, we can go but I need some support, you know, like be my, be mindful. What do you need? Do you need rest? Do, are you hungry? Are you lonely? Are you in a difficult place? What is going on? Are you, you know, are you at capacity? Think about what you need to be your best self. Think about the place that you're going. Think about, you know, the day that you're going to have. Is it a high stakes day? Do you have a lot of high stakes experiences on there? that, you know, are you going to need some support? Think about that pre, during an experience, somebody triggers you, okay, ooh, what do I want? What's important? Who, you know, why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? Okay, all right, I feel like slapping him. <laughs> Let me think about this for a minute. What is my goal? You know, self-management. Okay, this is my goal, but I'm really angry right now. Ooh, okay, this is my goal. Got to protect my brand, but ooh, uh, ooh, these my emotions are rising. Let me step outside for a minute. Let me step outside. Let me drink some water. Let me do a quick meditation. Let me breathe for 60 seconds. Let me just breathe. <sighs> you know? Let me find a mindful opportunity, that activity I can do right here, right now to get myself back into myself. Okay. Self-management, social awareness, what's required, what's going on, right? Where am I? What's happening? Okay. Let me think about this, right? Let me think about all the different uh, things that are involved here, right? Let me think about all the different, you know, the people, the, what will it impact? Okay. All right. I'm thinking, <laughs> all right. And these are all process, like the more emotionally intelligent you get, the faster this all happens. It happens like that in a split second, like boom, 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 boom. Relationship management. Okay. I need to, this is what I need to do. This is how I need to handle this. Okay. So an emotional intelligence is a skill. It's something you work to develop. So it's not something you have automatically. And there are other components of it. In the Iconic Woman Mastermind, we go deep into the elements that help you manage this really well. Because you can learn emotional intelligence, but you may not be your most emotionally intelligent self until you have started to do some of the work. I shared with you this story. This happened some years, quite some years ago. And since then, I've unpacked ego work. I did, I came, when I had that experience, I sat and I did a lot of like, oh, let me do some work. 
I want to do some work. I want to go deeper into myself. I use every opportunity to grow. Every opportunity comes my way. If I fail, if someone else fails, if I see something, I'm using it to grow. I want to grow because I believe I, I need to grow. I have a growth mindset. I don't ever believe I'm there. I'm always like, okay, come on. This is a new opportunity for growth. So I came in and I started to do some serious ego work, which, which birthed a lot of the ego work we do in the Iconic Woman Mastermind, because I was already certified in emotional intelligence years before this happened. And so I had the opportunity to sit and say, okay, if I already know cognitively what happened that it wasn't so embodied in that moment, and I broke some things down, okay, all right, great. And I went and studied it, and I went and found the modalities to help me even go deeper into it and created some frameworks that has now been um, able to support so many women through the work that I do. So if you have ever found yourself in that place where you've lost it, whether it's with your children, whether it's publicly or privately, whether it's with the person you care about or your family members, it's an opportunity to explore. And we do that ego work. And I tell you, the reason why I think it's so critical, I posted today that as a leader, if you're watching this whole Will Smith thing, you should be thinking about, wow, what if I'm ever if the spotlight is on me and I'm in a tough place, am I, am I prepared? Am I prepared for that high calling? It's important to ask those questions. And that's part of the work that we do. One of the reasons why I designed the Iconic Woman Mastermind the way I designed it is because I really do believe you are called to be iconic. And there is a cost when you are sitting on a hill, a lamp that cannot be hidden. Everyone is watching you. There's a cost and it can tear you apart. I have worked with leaders for years, and this is why I have always done the soul work long before it was trendy. Ask people who've known me in this business for years. 10 years ago, I gave a talk, a talk and I called it, how are you going to win if you're not right within, right? 10 years ago, I've, I've been talking about this for years and people know me can testify to this. The inner work has been my focus for years because I have been watching leaders and luminaries struggle. And so I knew you had to do that inner work. And so we do the inner work for outer results and not just outer results that look good, but outer results that feel good and that are good and that leave a legacy of goodness. I don't want you to be torn apart by your success. I don't want you to suffer in, in private and look fantastic publicly. I don't want you to have to go behind closed doors and everything is falling apart, right? And you have nowhere to go. You can't even be vulnerable. I don't want you to live a public persona that is this beautiful porcelain persona, but inside you're rotting away. No, like you deserve to live well. You deserve to prosper even as your soul prospers. But in order to do that, you have to be willing to go from the inside out, not from the outside in. People think I'll do that inner work. Let me just make my money today. Let me just make money. My focus is on money right now. It's, let me tell you, if you focus on the money and the looks and all of that on the outside, hmm, oh, my heart, it will, it will just tear you apart. It will rob you and create a soulless existence. And so many people design systems that end up being soulless systems in their lives. And this is why later on when they want to do the work, it's like, oh my God, I have so many systems attached to me. 
right? I have social, like I've created a whole social life around this way of being. How do I even maneuver? I've become trapped by my success. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard this in various ways. A sadness when you meet a person and there's a slight sadness. And because of the work that I do, sometimes they're able to share. And they can see the potential, but it feels so scary because change always has loss. And there's a fear of, okay, what am I going to lose? Am I going to lose my social status, my standing? Am I going to lose my, my success? Because you've built systems of success that are on these soulless kind of ways of being, things that are robbing you of who you are. Fake it till you make it is a soulless path because it will rob you because you're living an inauthentic life. You put all of your energy on creating a, a picture of perfection and it robs you because you have to live up to this false picture. And therefore everything that is the truth about who you are, that isn't perfection. You pretend like it doesn't exist. You hide it. You become this, you come, you become a divided person. You know, there's so much temptation for that. In the work that I do, do you know, like I could present this aspirational story like, oh yeah, tell you how much money I make and, you know, this is my life and, and spend a lot of money in, in, in performing success for you. I could. But I don't often talk about certain things. Why? Not because they're not there, but because I'd rather talk about the soul and the heart and, and, and tell you, listen, and I, and I don't want to be a guru. I'm not interested in being anyone's guru. I'm not interested in being on anyone's pedestal because I don't want to fall. I don't want to fall and crack into pieces. And I don't want to be on a pedestal and crack into pieces, you know, privately. This life, we only get one of it. I don't want to perform success and inside I'm failing. I'd rather tell you I'm struggling and I'm trying to figure it out and let's figure it out together. So I've never purported to be perfect and I'm not going to do that. I had a woman tell me once, uh, I had, um, she had seen one of my flyers or something like this to one of my events. And she sent me a message um, as a coach. I think I had sent her something. Uh, she said something, I sent her something in response or something. I don't remember exactly how the interaction went along. But um, she said, listen, let me just tell, I'm going to level with you. Most of you uh, so-called coaches or so-called whatnot, uh, people who are telling people how to live, most of you don't have your life together. So how can you tell me how to live? I'm, you know, I'm looking for someone who has their life together. And I said, oh, okay, well, you know what? I don't know what a life together looks like. Uh, I only know what a life growing looks like, right? And so I 100% will tell you, I'm not here to tell you that my life is perfect. I, I'm not. So you're 100% right. I'm not that one. My life is in progress. I'm growing every day. There's so many good parts of my life, so many things that I'm proud of. There are things that I'm working through. There, there are 
uh, choices that I made back in the day when I didn't know what I know now that I'm working through the consequences of those choices. That's just the reality, real talk, which is why I'm very passionate about telling women today, make choices now, get to know yourself now. I didn't know myself. I didn't know who I was in my 20s. I didn't know what I carried. I didn't know my purpose. I didn't know I didn't know myself. I didn't know my values. I didn't know, I didn't have a vision for my life. And as a result, I made some choices and every choice has consequences. And I tell you sometimes consequences of the choices, no matter how good, it's just like you gain, if you eat poorly, (laughs) you know, you eat poorly and you start changing the way you eat. Someone might meet you and you were a hundred pounds overweight. And they meet you and they're like judging you now and you're 50 pounds overweight. You've lost 50 pounds. They're judging you based on this saying, well, you know what? I want to talk to someone who who has it all together. But you have been working and you have a system that works because you've lost 50 pounds, but you still have to deal with the consequences of the 100 pounds. So it's going to take some time, right, to undo some of that stuff. But guess what? You have a system that works. I would actually be more... Uh, enthused about working with someone who has lost 50 pounds consistently, right? Over someone who, you know, lost five or has never, ever even had that struggle. They don't understand the struggle. So there, that's just reality. We all have stuff. Some of us have past stuff. Some of us, us have generational stuff. Some of us even have present stuff because life happens. So this isn't about a pursuit of perfection. This is about purpose. This is about progress and living a soulful, authentic life. Doing that inner work allows you to do that. And if you fail, The inner work allows you to fail and rise from your failure and learn from your failure. Instead of pretending like it wasn't a failure, doubling down on your failure, because a lot of people are in denial. And so they double down like, no, that's what I meant to do. I I meant to do that. He's a no, like own it. Like that, that wasn't my best self in that moment. You don't have to double down on it. You can own it. You can forgive yourself. And you don't have to condemn yourself for it either. You don't have to run from it. You have a failure, then you deal. I've seen so many people, ministries destroyed because they they didn't have the inner fortitude to face their dark sides, their shadows. I remember a woman, brilliant woman, brilliant, brilliant woman. And God had a gift. She had a gift. I'm not going to mention the gift that she was manifesting because I want to protect her privacy, but she was manifesting a particular gift. I remember in her twenties, in her late twenties. And for whatever reason, in, when she got into her thirties, she had some, some choices she made, right? For whatever reason. And we all like, we're human. The gifts of the Lord are without repentance. You have these gifts. But if you don't do your inner work, life can just pull you and you you make choices, right? So she made choices again. And don't be, don't be fooled. Like I talk about how I made choices when I was younger um, because I didn't know any better. I didn't know better, right? 
don't be fooled that you cannot be, you can be 40, you can be in your 40s and not know yourself. You can be in your 40s and be hashtag goals for some people. There are so many women who know how to look put together from head to toe. But inside of them, they are, they have volcanoes inside of them. Volcanoes. And we're living in a current time. Be careful because we're living in a current time. The scripture says at the end times, people will be lovers of self. Self-love is not the same thing as self-worship. It's not the same thing as, as being a lover of self. Self-love is the ability to look at yourself and through the lens of God, the lens of the divine. And, and have value for yourself, but also hold yourself accountable to growth. Self-worship and being a lover of self, a narcissistic lens is that's just who I am and whatever and da-da-da-da-da and na-na-na-na, all of that energy. No, no, no. That's going to tear you apart. The day will come you look back and realize, wow, I wasted time. So it doesn't matter where you are. You have an opportunity today to look at yourself. So as we discuss to slap or not to slap, that is not really the question. The question is, who am I and what is this teaching me? Whenever we look at anyone else's behavior, it should always lead us back to ourselves. Jesus said, before you remove the log in someone else's eye, the speck in someone else's eye, remove the log in your eye. What should that tell us? It means that whenever you see a log, Whenever you see a speck, there's a log in yours. So there's that opportunity to go in and, and sit with yourself and say, okay, what is this teaching me about me? How can I be better? How can I do better? And so uh, we send grace to all the people involved, to Will Smith, to Jada Pinkett, to Chris Rock. We send grace even to Lupita Nyong'o, whose facial expressions were like, what is happening? Spend, I send a special grace to the Williams sisters because they had something a little, just a few weeks ago where they were also, you know, like, hey, can, can we just not be innocent bystanders? They were there for King Richard and uh, someone said, I uh, can't remember the lady's name, you know, said something ridiculous and uncalled for. And then here they are again, sort of semi, you know, kind of peripherally involved in this brouhaha. And uh, so we send them grace too. And we send ourselves grace. Take a moment and send yourself grace. Send yourself grace. And uh, let's take this opportunity to, to elevate, to rise, to be our best selves. God bless you. Be well. If you've been listening to this and you're thinking about doing that inner work, I have two opportunities that I want you to think about. It's kind of a level one and a level two. Level one is what I would call the personal growth opportunity, doing that inner work as a woman. That is the iconic womanhood course. It is the best place to start your journey. If you've never done personal development work before, or even if you have, because we have many people who've gone through coaching and other programs, and they write me over and over again about how this course was actually the most life-changing thing they've ever done. This course will open you up. It'll help you understand yourself, enter a higher level of self-awareness and self-mastery. 
the Iconic Womanhood course. All you have to do is go to iconicwomanhood.com slash new, and that's level one. That is level one in terms of the way the course is structured, but also in terms of investment. The second level is for you as a leader. I would call that the professional growth level. So if you want to do your work as a woman and also as a leader, prepare yourself for that high calling. Prepare yourself for the work that you are called to do, your purpose, and and also learn how to elevate in your career and your business, leadership development, core leadership development, core business strategy, uh, core organizational work, then the Iconic Woman Mastermind is for you. If you are a leader, Typically, if you are at middle management or you're a senior leader or you are an entrepreneur who is already built, your business is built, or you want to launch and you're ready to launch, this is for you. This is for you because you will do the work you need to do as a woman, but you will also do the work you need to do as a leader of industry. This is the investment that most of us don't actually do. And we struggle as a result because no one really teaches you how to be an effective leader and in particular, a feminine leader. That's one of the unique things about this is that it's going to help you harness how to lead from your feminine, as well as talking about spirituality. A lot of the women who listen to this podcast, you are women who are women of faith. And I am really excited about the program that we have put together here for you. This is our fourth year in the Iconic Woman Mastermind, and it is unique in the way that we bring in your feminine energy, femininity, womanhood, as well as divine alignment, spiritual power. We talk about that, and we have a fantastic community. If you want to elevate, if you want to rise in your business this year, if you want to rise in your career this year, we have incredible testimonies. You need to do this for yourself. Don't waste time. The first quarter of the year is almost over. Make this investment and transform your life. Go to iconicwomanmastermind.com or iconicwomanhood.com slash mastermind and apply to talk to one of our coaches today. We've waived the application fee for 2022 because so much is going on and we want you to take full advantage of the opportunity. Go apply today. Don't sell yourself short. Don't sell your purpose short. Invest in what God is doing in you. Invest in yourself. It's time to go to your next level. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. If you're listening to this show, it probably means you are ready to move from success into significance. Please visit us at iconicwomanhood.com and get a free gift to help you on your journey.